Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Operations Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Groom, and in this podcast, we'll be talking with creative operations leaders in all kinds of industries, from franchising to finance, from healthcare to hospitality and beyond. We'll be looking to uncover best practices and to see trends that are coming to help you keep your creative operations on brand and on budget at the same time. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Creative Operations Podcast 2.0. I'm your host, Kevin Grinks, and I'm very pleased today to have with us Amy Spears. She is the Senior VP of Brand Creative and the Head of Tonic, the in-house agency at Highmark Health. So, Amy, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Happy to be here. You, you betcha. So, um, the audience always loves to hear a little bit about, you know, your journey into the world of creative operations and brand. Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up at one of the world's or the nation's largest healthcare systems, including a major Blue Cross insurer? Sure. Um, so actually, my path uh, originally wasn't really going to be in advertising and marketing. I really didn't even have that on my radar. Uh, my dream, I think, growing up was more to be into politics. Uh, and that was really the path I was after, uh, wanted in my mind as a younger person thought that that was the way to be able to make a difference and help uh, create and be part of progress. And so, uh, when I went to school, I quickly realized that my uh, passion was really all about the art of effective communication and art of effective communication obviously still applies to politics, uh, and influencing, motivating mm. people. But I was really connected more to the advertising, marketing, communication aspect of things just because there was more creativity, more de- more ideation around that. And it really spoke to some of my hobbies that I'd always done on the side, but never thought I would be in a career uh, in advertising and marketing. And so um, it all started with a uh, trying to get your foot in the door out of school uh, working your way in. And I was actually in an account, uh, like role focused on design, pre-press and printing for a small company, small, mid-sized company, uh, down in Austin, Texas. And since then, uh, you know, it's been a, what a, like a 20, I think one on 27 years of, uh, working, working hard, uh, being, uh, very focused on being surrounded with really talented, smart people, uh, really amazing mentors around along the way, uh, seizing opportunities sometimes when there was risk involved and still going for it. And that's really the path that I've had and why I'm still in the advertising marketing industry after all these years. I still love it. I still crave it. Uh, and the majority of my career has been on the corporate side of things, uh, always in more of an in-house agency team for the better part of my career. And uh, like I said, I love it. I still crave it and uh, happy to be where I'm at. It's great. The story of Tonic I found really fascinating. Um, it's uh, I take it your head count now. This is the first time Highmark has really done a an in-house agency approach. And you guys are in the triple figures in headcount, as I understand. Is that correct? We are. Uh, our company had always had some form of more of a creative services model, I think for a couple of decades that had been part of the case, especially from a communications perspective across the company. Um, however, our current uh, CMO, when she joined Highmark Health seven, eight years ago, 
a few years in, wanted to really build more of a true in-house agency model uh, with more of an investment of the infrastructure, the people, the talent to really um, centralize all components of the brand and how that manifests and comes to life across all the many touch points and really centralizing that within the company with this in-house team. And so Tonic, as recalls, uh, was birthed a little over four years ago. And uh, we've been uh, really the last three years seeing a tremendous amount of growth and leaning all the way into a full uh, vision plan of what an in-house agency model can be when you really leverage the full potential of that investment. It's a, it's a, an impressive story in a very short period of time. Four years is not a lot of time to see an organization take shape like that. You know, when, during the uh, in-house agency forum, your talk on non-negotiables, I, I found it fascinating and thought we might spend a little bit of time on that because as you guys build that culture, and of course, you must, you're competing for talent and you're building a brand identity for Tonic itself in, inside a massive organization. Um, what were some of those non-negotiables that came to you as as a key to building the culture and, and achieving the kind of growth that you guys have seen? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I want to, because sometimes we all use the term non-negotiables, and I think it's important to just kind of take one second to ground ourselves of what I mean when I'm saying that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, non-negotiables just in general really represent our values and our principles as a person, right? And sure. that's what... Ultimately, you're not going to uh, accept anything less from other people and also from yourself. And those non-negotiables just in general are because you've usually found success in them. So you want to continue to practice them. So when you take that into the workplace and with an in-house agency team, um, along the way, uh, especially in my career, there's been non-negotiables that I've learned and seen, uh, made mistakes from you know, that's then turned into why I'm like, okay, that is for sure a non-negotiable as we continue to build an in-house agency model. And those are the big time deal breakers. They're the promises that you make to your team, uh, to yourself, and also to all of your colleagues uh, and to your companies. And those non-negotiables are always going to be unique uh, to what the team and the company and the brand is for that, for that company that you're at. And you do it in service of the investment that the company's made in this in-house agency model. Um, those non-negotiables really allow you to achieve the full potential of what that value can be. And so uh, you're right. Last fall uh, in November at IHAF, I shared uh, the seven non-negotiables that I've tried to continue to lead with and influence with uh, was Antonic and what we're building there together as one team. Yeah. Um, you know, I spent some time in, in, in my past as a copywriter in the healthcare environment. And one of the things I found about working with um, medical professionals in particular is a dedication to science is sometimes a little bit at odds with the simplicity and the swiftness that you need in marketing communications. Um, is, is that kind of creative tension part of that non-negotiable discussion? Yes, that goes that into the non-negotiables about uh one of the first ones that I often talk about is owning the brand. Uh, and what yeah. I mean by that is our, our, when we say own or lead the brand, obviously you don't just own the brand within an agency. Brand is what everyone in a company, anyone that touches or creates, influences the customer, member, patient experience is part of that. And so when we're trying to be good stewards of that, and uh, demonstrate what that means for our brand identity, for how our brand shows up. 
the simplicity aspect of that is definitely a key tenet of our brand and who we are and how we need to show up. And when we talk about simplicity within, uh, within the health industry, that's where it's more than just taking the complexity out of uh, the customer experience. Um, you know, every brand right now, uh, no customer wants to be associated with a complex brand, right? We're all trying ways to simplify our lives, not make them yeah. more complex. So in the health industry, there's an extra richness and meaning behind simplicity, which is all about health literacy as well. Uh, and really um, allowing the outcomes of that to improve by understanding um, the conditions, the treatments, uh, the next steps to take as a member or as a patient. And so that is when you're talking about copywriting, you know, it's the copywriting and the design aspects. It's all parts of it, but really thinking through the lens of both simplicity and health literacy and the health industry. And so that takes a higher touch, you know, and that tension, I think, uh, is a healthy tension that happens with all of the customer experiences that are being created. Um, but our whole company, not just the in-house team, is very focused on the belief of simplicity being a key part of our brand. And so that goes a long way when we're all kind of rowing in the same direction, getting after the same goal. Um, so you're right. It is part of copywriting and there's a healthy tension, but it's a good tension because we're all bought into that vision together. Yeah. So the um, uh, the notion of... Uh, creative presentations to, to uh, healthcare professionals. And I would think, you know, especially in senior leadership, uh, you, you must have quite a, a, an interesting crew around a table. Do you guys find yourselves as an in-house agency really able to, to lead with the creative or does it, is it a lot of back and forth to get the, the sort of the medical and technical aspects correct? Or do you really find that the brand has such momentum uh, that you it, you you find approvals easier to acquire and, and stay on brand voice or is it a particular challenge? Uh, no, I I mean, it's not a standout challenge in my mind because uh, it's not just our team or just within marketing. The customer experience is a focus for everyone across our enterprise. So all of our business partners. So when you're always focused on what the customer member patient experience is going to be, um, and we all have a common belief of what our key tenants are of our brand, which is all focused on the customer experience that allows you to have the right dialogue, the right healthy debate, the right, you know, back and forth to really get at the best experience that you're creating, whatever that, you know, is at hand at that moment that we're talking about or working on. So I wouldn't say it's an arduous task when it gets to getting everyone um, on the same page with what we're doing about the brand, because that's all rooted in what we're getting after from the customer experience, which also gets back to what they want. And so that makes it a very, uh, it makes the conversation a lot easier uh, when you have everyone um, rooted in the customer experience and that that experience is based upon what the customer desires. So I think that takes out gotcha. friction. That's great. It's great to hear. Um, in terms of the um, organization of Tonic, are you guys centrally located or are you distributed across your entire kind of marketing footprint? And, you know, is the distributed model a, a big part uh, for you guys of your day-to-day -day operations? When you mean distributed, you mean physically distributed, like where people are located or you mean how we are centralized in the organization? 
I actually mean uh, physically, geographically. Geographically, yes. So we uh, are, you know, through the last uh, few years of tremendous growth of the team, we have uh, team members located across the country. So yes, we have probably the majority are closer to our uh, corporate headquarters, which is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, but uh, we have team members from California, Texas, all along the East Coast, so and in, throughout the Midwest. So we're really making it work still. Um, and when I say making it work, I don't mean to make it sound like it's not working and we're having to work extra hard to make it work. It's actually been a huge success story for our team. And that's why we still continued to hire um, the very best uh, talent across the country and not feel um, kind of tied to only the Pittsburgh region. Yeah, that's really nice thing too to to be able to build a team that without worrying about the the geo um, seems great. A lot of the times in our in our uh, audience, we hear great interest in what the kind of project management, martech, and creative stacks are that allow you to achieve that blend of you know geographic distribution but team cohesiveness. Can you tell us a little bit about since you know the founding of Tonic? Uh, how that's evolved for you guys, just from an operational point of view? Sure. I mean, from an operational standpoint, when I say operations, it's definitely not all technology that's enabled us to do this. It's also, uh, you know, our key uh, engagement moments of when meetings occur, the types of meetings, what the processes mm. are in between those, uh, and also the technology to support that, of course, to be able to have yeah. uh, consistent virtual meetings whenever we need them. Uh, but there's also... Yeah more components to making it successful. We have a commitment to certain working norms uh, that everyone is aware of and works together towards. We also have within both of our sub teams across Tonic as well as across as as well as across the full team of Tonic. Um, many intentional moments of connection uh, to create an environment where there's a culture that people feel like they're part of and that even if someone is out in California, they, they need to feel connected, especially with the onboarding experience and then the continued team atmosphere. And so when we talk about how we operationalize that, it is technology. It's also process um, and a clear kind of meeting or forum setup that works. And then also really intentional um, activities that are planned within sub teams and across the full group to keep that culture alive and to keep it a team that people feel connected on and want to be part of. It's great. It's a, uh, you know, the, what we have seen uh, in talking with other folks on the in-house agency side, the momentum toward in-house has been going on for, I would think okay. a couple of decades. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it, and it almost feels to me like we've now reached a point where the old divide between in-house and out of house has really softened. It, it's almost uh, more of a gray area between the two as opposed to a hard line. Do you guys at Tonic find yourself working with lots of uh, external agencies as well and kind of plugging them in as time goes by and then, you know, on more of a project basis or relationship basis? We do. Uh, and that's actually one of the non-negotiables uh, as well, as far oh. as really uh, operating as agencies are a true extension of the team. In my time as an in-house and in the in-house agency arena, we'll say, which has been um, double decades now. There's always been that friction point at times where they're almost left yeah. to compete. And uh, what we aim to do on a daily basis is the antithesis of that. It really is more of an extension of the team, an extended partner. And that 
It's super easy to say, uh, and it's not always easy to achieve. And so that really gets back to culture and setting expectations and demonstrating what that means and feels like with those external partners, uh, no matter if it's a creative agency extension of the team, a production extension of the team, even a technology plugin as needed. And, uh, and that's really how we operate. That is a key part. And, uh, our agency partners, we also have to clearly set those expectations too. And it's not easy always because sometimes even just the day-to-day practical part of what that means when you're creating a new concept and you're used to presenting that to like a client, but yet what you're working on is a common goal to have the very best work out in the marketplace. And we're all owning that together to build the brand. It changes those dynamics a bit because now you are reviewing the work and you're presenting the work, but everyone's thinking about it collect collectively as a shared um, body of work that needs to perform and that all of our goals are aligned to. And so that's why I think it's hard for it when we're always saying, oh, yes, they're an extension of the team. And we use that a lot in our in-house industry, I know, across the board. To actually get that to work that way takes a lot of work and takes a lot of intentionality, but it's it's definitely worth it in the end because uh, the product and the culture are also better. Yeah, it, you know, it's so interesting that uh, in a uh, previous experience, I worked a lot with in-house counsel and external law firms. And, and in some, much the same way, you know, at least yeah. in the early days when we began to see that, there was friction between the two. As time went by, the in-house counsel became sort of the uh, quarterback, you know, and the coordinator of many different uh, expertise and disciplines. It took decades, multiple decades, I think. Uh, but we've seen, we've begun to see that relationship really smooth out to the benefit of the organizations and also the folks working in those various units. And it feels to me like we're still early days of as many years as we've seen in-house, you know, taking on a larger share. Uh, we're still early days in terms of the cultural change. And it sounds like you guys are kind of on the cutting edge of that trend, which is great. Um, I, I would also say in all these questions that I've been asking you today, I, as a you know technologist, we tend to focus on the technology first. You sort of steered us toward the human aspect, you know, as being the, the most important part. And and it seems to me that it fits really well with what your guys' mission is, you know, the larger organization, that human mission. So it very much comes through. Well, so that, um that's, well, I take that as a huge compliment. So thank you for that. That's really how we are and a huge compliment on behalf of the team, because that really is how we aim to operate. I mean, there's an intention behind that when, when you think about it, because it gets back to recruitment too. Uh, you know, a lot no. of us are in the business because of the emotion and the passion and the creativity behind the ideas. And so you want to be part of a team that really is focused more on the human factors, you know, and yeah. those aspects of how do you operate as a group and I don't want to make it sound like we get it all the way to bright every single day, but we aim to get it all the way to bright at least as many days as possible. And that's why we're really focused on the culture of the team just as much as more of the expected operational aspects. It's a, you know, if I were, if I were in my copywriting days, I'd be looking at this for sure, uh, because it, it sounds like less of the, you know, especially here, you know, we, we are based in New York, uh, and the agency culture in New York, the external agency culture was very much one of grow and shrink, you know, and a sort of an uncertainty yeah. 
I think, you know, that was stressful uh, as a creative. Um, and especially when, you know, the uh, you were only as good as your last, you know, comp. Um, and it seems to me that maintaining a commitment to quality without creating the stress that's a, that comes from the old days, the madman days of the advertising industry, um, is a delicate balance to strike. And certainly you guys seem like you're doing that. And again, four years, five years is, you know, just a whisper of time for something like this to take shape. So it's a, it's a great story to hear. Uh, and thank you for spending some time with us today and, and telling us that. So guys, next uh, time on the Creative Operations uh, podcast, uh, look for us to dive deeper into the in-house agency angle. And Amy, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kevin. <laughs>